The views and opinions expressed are for general informational purposes only. Consult with your physician or medical health care provider for medical advice, diagnosis, and or treatment. Today, we talk about research articles and hot topics. Our topic today is What's New? Hot Topics number 77. Five reasons suicide is on the rise in the black community. Psychiatrist Dr. Patrice Harris, a former president of the American Medical Association, discusses what factors may be driving this increase. Weightlifting and arthritis. Lifting weights may be one of the best ways to care for arthritic joints. Get on that bike. Four seconds to health. Short maximum effort cycling bursts increases power. All this and more on It's All About Health and Fitness. Welcome to It's All About Health and Fitness with Dr. Vicki Hayward Doe and Dr. Virginia Banks Bright. This program is brought to you by Vicki Doe Fitness, a multimedia health and wellness forum. Now, here's your host, Vicki Doe and D. Banks Bright. I'm Dr. Vicki Haywood Doe, and with me is the one and only Dr. Virginia D. Banks Bright. So, how are you, D? I am great. It's a great day. <laughs> the sun is shining. We don't have any rain, which we have. I was getting ready to say, let's throw me an arc. I know, right? I mean, it was getting to be like Noah's Ark up in here. Storming, storming, big time. Yes, yes. That was the other thing, right? A lot of storms. Mm-hmm. And yeah. nowadays, nowadays, you know, we used to go, oh, it's a storm, you know. Nowadays, you got to pay attention because you might have you, you might oh, be flooded yeah. out, right? You might be flooded well, out. Yeah. And and not only that, mm-hmm. but uh, trees and stuff knocked down oh, the yes. house and so forth. Oh yes, you know that's a, that's a, the dangerous the dangerous thing. These you know global warming. People don't don't believe it, but it's you know it's making stuff. Well. Yeah, it's making a lot yeah. of stuff even yeah. more even more so. Right? It is. Mm-hmm. It is. You know, you didn't. We didn't. In our neighborhood, we didn't used to have a lot of tornadoes and bad. Now you know you can't rely on stuff. Will be coming up our street. Oh, I know. You know, and then trees. You know? Remember, all of Churchill trees. was shut down. Yes, 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 mm-hmm. absolutely. So I was like, well, as long as my cable and my internet on, I'm good. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. <laughs> I'm good. Guess what? Today we are back because we've been a we've been a minute we've been away yeah, for a minute. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. you know May is 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 yeah May is is pretty pretty crowded. But all right, we are here today, and so this is episode two hundred and thirty two. And today we talk about research articles and hot topics that we think are worth looking at and talking about. And our topic today is what's new, hot topics number 77. So how fast do you actually lose weight or lose fitness, I should say? Is it 14 days or can it be, can it vary based on how you've been training? And when is it time for you to take a break and give your body time to heal and recover? Another question, we're talking about this time in the article We're talking about suicide. According to a psychiatrist, suicide rates are climbing in our black communities. What are five reasons 
suicide rate is on the rise in the black community. And so we're talking about that. And these are some of the questions and topics that the articles um, that we have chosen for today we'll be looking at and we will address later on in this episode. And of course, our one and only co-host, Dr. D. Banks, will tell us and explain to us what the hell is monkeypox going on i'm telling you what is going on listen you know we we just learned what COVID 19 is now we got something else coming now we got to deal with this this is crazy this is this is crazy i know and so we got all of that coming up in our show today so make sure you stay tuned in tune and all of that into our show today and we will definitely have an amazing show. And so listen, folks, listen, stop depending on willpower and motivation alone to help you lose those stubborn pounds. Learn how to learn how to create holistic and sustainable lifestyle habits that will give you lasting results. And we can help you with that here at Vicky Doe Fitness by enrolling in our Vicky Doe Fitness, our step-by-step weight loss boot camp master class, our online 12-week, our 12-week comprehensive weight loss program that embraces the holistic approach to sustainable, healthy lifestyle habits for weight loss and long-lasting transformation. And so this program has all of the necessary components to help you attain the results that you need. It has the exercise training with our personal training um, health fitness coaching app. It has our health and nutrition education for you, healthy eating sample menus for you to follow. It has social support. This program has social support and accountability. This program has the necessary tools that you need so that you can lose those stubborn pounds and lower your high blood pressure. If you are hypertensive, you know, you will be able to have that energy once again so that you can get through your everyday duties and all that you do without dragging. And so guess what, folks? You will just feel better after doing this program and learning some of the key strategies that you can do to change your lifestyle. And so we're asking you to take time. Go check out um, this program, um, www.vickidofitness.com forward slash bootcamp, and you'll find out more about this weight loss and wellness program. And so make sure you sign up today. The question is asked, oh, can I do a program online, totally online? Yes, you can. Why? Because they have sophisticated software. And we've learned that with the pandemic, it's a lot of things that we thought that we couldn't do online, but the pandemic forced us to do those things online with the updated software. So yeah, this program has all of that. And then it has me as your coach. I will show up and help you get that kick in the butt that you need. You know what I mean? (laughs) And that I will definitely show up in person in Zoom for you. All right. And so make sure you sign up today and I can't wait to see you there. Also, guys, make sure you subscribe to this podcast. It's all about health and fitness. Vicky Doe Fitness on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, 
or on any of the platforms that you listen to your podcast. And when you subscribe, you will be notified first when we post a new show. You will be able to listen, learn, and experience our shows where we bring in other guests. Uh, We talk about things that are important for our health and our well-being and our community. And as you know, we just don't talk about physical health. We talk about things that we can do to preserve our mental health as well. And we believe in the concept of total well-being. That is having a holistic approach to healthy living. So make sure you do not miss any of our shows and subscribe today. And last but not least, go on Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star review and rate us, right? Because this is how we grow And this is how we increase our listeners and we appreciate you. But also how we increase our listeners, go and share. Go tell your friends and share this podcast. You know, tell them to listen to this podcast and we will appreciate that as well. And as always, Dee, what do we always say? (laughs) Thank you, thank you, thank you for your support. Thank you, thank you, thank you for your support. Well, D, yes, it is the end of May and we are rolling into June very fast. And so I'm glad because I'm able to exhale. You know what I mean? Take a deep breath. I know. I know. I know you're 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 (laughs) glad that you're not running up and down that road anymore right now. I know. For Kent, right? Oh, my goodness. goodness. You paid your dues this past winter, Vicky. Oh, yeah, because every day, which was every day, it was time for me to go to Kent. It was oh always snowing or or yeah. this. Yeah, it was it was something. And so Yeah, I mean you you, you definitely weathered the storm because some of those days mm-hmm. you had some pretty rough winters. Oh, it was rough. Past winter, it was know? rough. Yes it was. Mm-hmm. It was rough. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I am officially finished with the school this semester and yes, I posted my grades two years two years ago, really. Two <laughs> Just that fast, right? It seems like it, right? Because it's on to the next, right? But I know, right? Yeah, but I did do uh, my posting of my grades two weeks ago, and yeah, I'm done. You could, man, as soon as I pressed that last button, submit, I was jumping up and down. Nate was looking at me like I was crazy. (laughs) Well, let me ask you this: So, Mm -hmm. has have they had graduation? Oh yes, yes. That was that that was yeah. So it's rolling into the summer. You know how they they have that intersection of summer. They enter Mm -hmm. what they call it inter. I can't remember, but it's a small four-week program that's intense. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Then they roll oh, okay. into the summer programs. Yeah. Oh, I see. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Yep, but oh. I'm my summer program is here, right here. <laughs> <laughs> Ain't looking at nothing. Like no, that will be a no, nothing, right? Nothing academic, right? No, I use my academic <laughs> skills and do the Vicky Doe Fitness. That's it. Um, that I is did. it. I mm-hmm. hear you. I hear you. And so yeah, I am yeah, ready. Yeah. I'm ready for my, you know how they make up them, them young folks make up the words. So I made up summercation. I'm ready for <laughs> I my summer. I thought that was cute. I thought that was cute. Yeah, you like know. Like they say staycation. Yeah. They say staycation. 
This is a summercation. This is a summercation. Yes, it. I get it. I get it. Now I, I am. It. I, I am it. going to my ACSM because because before with all the COVID and stuff, we were just um, doing our virtual stuff for our big conferences <laughs> and so forth. But this time. Uh-huh. I'm going to go. It's next week. Um, and I'm okay, going to go. It? It's going to be in San Diego. San Diego. Oh, okay. So oh, I'm going to go. Vicky? Yes. And I'm going to bring Nate with me. Mm-hmm. Nice. So we'll see how many meetings we go to with him there. You know. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll pretend, you know, we doing. You've already you. paid. Well, the bottom line is you've already paid your registration fee, so that's all you have to do anyway, really. Right, and then just nobody's going to be checking anything or whatever. Have you ever been to San Diego? Yes, yes, and mom, mom, and those guys, especially Brother Bill, that was that was where they would go to Hawaii and San Diego. And right after he, right after he did his trip in San Diego, that was maybe two thousand seven or so. When he came uh-huh. back, that's when he had this his accident. Yeah, his head oh, injury accident. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So they haven't really oh, wow. taken really long. Yeah. Yeah. Vacations. Because yeah. Did he play golf out there? Oh yes. All that because they would go to they would go to Vegas. They would go to uh-huh. they would go to San Diego, uh, Hawaii, Maui as well. They would go to Hilton Head. All those real beautiful places to to just be in the sun and and he'll hang out with his friends and they'll just golf. You know. Oh wow! Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. They've got some beautiful golf courses out there. Mm-hmm. I love. It. It's just right on the water. It's so beautiful. Great restaurants and all of that. The weather should be lovely. It's all, I, you know, I've never seen a bad day in San Diego. I know. Infectious Disease Society used to meet there all the time. And then the National Medical Association met there. I don't remember a bad day in San Diego ever. I know. I know. So it's going to be great. I can't wait. Yes. Oh, yes. Well, good. That's good. Good to see. So that's it. Good. So how was your good. week then? How was your week? Well, I went to Washington, D.C. last weekend. I had a meeting okay. sponsored by the National Medical Association. I gave a talk um, with on a webinar, a symposium okay. on okay. Okay. HIV in um, PrEP. Okay. Uh, HIV pre-exposure prophylaxis. You know, I've talked about that on this show mm-hmm. in adolescence and in pregnancy. And two other people on the panel were fellows, infectious disease fellows from University of Minnesota. And they talked about, we have these new injectables now where you can just take a, a, a shot and it'll last for two months rather than having to take a pill every day. So things have progressed. And, you know, it was kind of good for me to give this talk because mm-hmm. I don't take care of HIV patients anymore. It's outpatient. And it gave me an opportunity to do some learning, you know, to learn some things about some other infectious diseases other than COVID. Oh, I know, right? I know, right? <laughs> it, it, yeah, it went, but it went well, you know, it was, it was a good opportunity to, like I said, focus on another infectious diseases. I've just been COVID out for two months. I'm tired. I know, you know I know, I know. tired of that. Well, I you definitely got to, I know, you definitely well, we gotta, got a new topic, which I'll be talking about soon. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> right? A new disease. We got a new disease, which I'll be talking about pretty soon anyway. So it doesn't take long for stuff to pop up. It doesn't take long. And then you can mm-hmm. you can one of one of the shows you can really talk about, you know, you can talk about your uh yes. what you present. My my, my, uh, my lecture. That would be great. I would love to do that. Yeah. Yeah, so that's what we'll I, do. I get a lot of conversation about epidemiology and demographics and who was getting treated and who wasn't and all that. So yeah, we can plan to do that. Yeah. Sure. Okay, that sounds great. 
Yeah. All good. right. Well, D, what is going on this week? Vicky, everything. <laughs> everything. Oh my God. First I think before we go any further, we have to we, we would be remiss if we didn't mention that tragedy that happened yesterday. I know. Is this our new norm? Is this our new norm? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, every week, every week we were gone our show, but was mm-hmm. Buffalo. It was Buffalo. You know, yes, and at the I grocery couldn't, store. Yeah. And I couldn't imagine how could anyone sit in their car, plot to sit in their car and drive Four hours to go and just kill people. Unbelievable. That's crazy. Unbelievable. Yes. And purposefully, and and had cased the place out, had been in the store casing the place out, Mm -hmm. and then just got those people cold blood, you know, just some elderly, you know, folks, elderly, Mm -hmm. as we say, elderly, I know how it was described, but Kari Sellers, you know, he's on CNN. I just Mm -hmm. love him. Yes. And he said, you know, the people that this guy killed were the, the grandmothers in church that, that would come up to you with their big bosoms and cold yes. and say, hey, baby, how are you doing? Or How's your lesson going at school? And they would smell like fresh baby powder. I mean, it was, his description was mm. right on. Mm. And you knew exactly what he was talking about. And mm-hmm. so just, just, you know, just, and so then now we get over that. And then we move on to something else. Now we're right back again. And, you know, it's starting to wear Vicky on the anchors. Because last week, Victor Blackwell broke down. Mm-hmm. He started crying. Mm-hmm. And today, Erica, I uh, can't think of her name on CNN, she broke down. Mm. Uh, John Berman, I think I saw him shedding some tears. And then they had Commissioner Barksdale last week when mm. they were talking about the Buffalo. He broke down. Mm-hmm. And so... I just think a lot of it's getting mentally to a lot of these people who are having to report on this, like this is some new normal. And just think of the people that are actually looking at the the, the carnage and the and the bodies and trying to. Right. Dang, right. you know that. You know they had to get they had to get DNA evidence with some of those children. So that just tells you how horrific it must have been in that room. And they were all in the same room. I don't know if you had heard that yet. But they were all from the same classroom, Vicky. He just went in one classroom and, and just mowed them down. Oh my God! Mowed down, yeah, just just one. And you know mm. the interesting thing, and then we will move on. Mm-hmm. Is that he was eighteen, so you can't drink alcohol or smoke, mm-hmm. but you could buy two two guns like that. Something is wrong. Something is wrong. Something is wrong. Something is wrong. Yeah. Prayers go out to the families. Yes, but it's just it's just awful how people just that can do something. They especially those that um, are blocking. (sighs) Mm. Yeah, yeah. What can you say? We just have to keep everybody in prayer and hope that some legislation is passed quickly. I don't know what it will take. I I know. Really, do not understand what it will take. I know. There you you have it. There we have it. Well, so what about peanut butter? Peanut butter, peanut I butter. I know. It says, GIF peanut butter recall for possible salmonella contamination. So with that said, you know, it's a lot of these. Is it is it because they're not, you know, cleaning the, the? Well, I mean, why, I how would so. they get that? I the, well, I think the inspections are, I don't know especially what ingredients are necessarily used in peanut butter. I mean, some products lend themselves to salmonella because salmonella comes from the GI tract. 
Okay. So there must be some product that they're using. Like when you when you have fruits and vegetables, uh-huh. it is said that, you know, where, where people pick them and, and so forth, there's not good hygiene practices. Okay, okay. So salmonella can also, you know, it's, it's a bodily fluid type of infection. Okay. And so somebody must have, you know, either in their, in their processing, processing process, some product that they use must lend itself to contamination with salmonella. And, and so what do they say about here? J.M. Smucker mm-hmm. is recalling certain types of just peanut butter in the United States because of potential salmonella contamination. The company said the peanut butter was sold nationwide, and the recall includes more than 45 kinds of products. They have lot codes of 127-4425 to 214-0425. The company said in a statement, the lot code is next to the best if used by date on the product packaging. The affected products include both creamy and crunchy peanut butter, peanut butter to go pack, and the natural squeeze pouch. Customers should discard the product immediately if it is included in the recall, which is being conducted with the United States Food and Drug Administration. I'd be in a world of hurt because that's all my son Marky would eat with peanut butter sandwiches when I would run over the key and get a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. <laughs> I would be in a complete world of hurt because that's all I did. Yeah, well, we didn't we didn't keep it. Now Nate would keep it on the side for his little dishes, but we didn't keep it because everybody in the house, you know, allergic to nuts. So, Uh uh so we didn't have that issue. But you know, you still, I don't know. Between it was it's peanut butter, then it's the 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 salad leaves, then it's it's always Uh a recall for a lot of the stuff because of that salmonella. Mm-hmm. Because of salmonella, exactly, exactly. Yeah, what I have heard, um, Vicky, is that there are, is a lack of personnel to do a lot of these inspections for a lot of these products. I mean, you know, there are millions of products that are out there, uh-huh. particularly food especially, um, where you have to have the, what is it, food and dr- drugs, mm-hmm. FDA, and mm-hmm. a- agricultural mm-hmm. community and all of that to reduce to look at all these products, and just like anything else in today with the workforce, you don't have the people to do it. Now, I was, uh, the, mm-hmm. the other comment I was going to make was about this formula mm-hmm. coming from Germany. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a lot of the parents have to have this special formula for their kids, for the allergies and stuff. You probably oh, understand yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. Kids can't just drink any old milk They can't product. do that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so they've got these trucks and um, tons of... Uh, powdered milk coming from Germany, but all that stuff has to be inspected. I know. You know, they just can't snatch the powdered milk off the the plane and then throw it into the grocery store without it because it could be contaminated with salmonella too. That's a perfect place for salmonella. Oh, big time. Some of these bacteria. So I'm hoping in their rush mm-hmm. to get those milk products over here, that they do their due diligence or whatever they're supposed to do to make sure all that stuff is inspected because a little baby can't tolerate salmonella. I mean, you know, that's oh, diarrhea know. and Ooh. a lot of febrile illnesses and stuff like that. So, yeah, it's very complicated. That's going over foods and stuff and making sure that they're safe. Because I think I did a talk one time with you or I did a talk uh-huh. someplace talking about infectious diarrhea. Mm-hmm. And my in my talk, mm-hmm. I listed over the maybe last 10 years, all the products that we eat, many of them have had to be recalled. Raspberries, mm-hmm. lettuce, and mm-hmm. you know, all these products. So 
you know, mm, I know things aren't happening like they're supposed to. So yeah, it's a it's a lot that goes on so that we can it have is. safe safe stuff to eat and to you yes. know yeah you yeah you just can't snatch those products off the wall. You know they have to be making sure just like with this that they don't have some kind of major infectious disease. So yeah. I know. Wow. Well, yeah, that's so. something else for us to worry about, too, right? I know, right? <laughs> Every time you turn around. It's something, right? Every time you turn around. Yeah, Every time you turn terrible. around. I know. Yeah, yeah. Today, we're going to do a health tip. And this health tip, because we try to at least put some health tips out there for you every episode. And this health tip is found in our idea uh, fitness journal and it is four seconds to health and it's saying short maximal effort cycling burst increase power and so it's basically saying get on the bike get on the bike so i'll read this to you it says busy <laughs> exercisers want shorter workout times but they still expect results. Here's some good news. Recent research shows that young, healthy, active exercisers can decrease stationary cycling workout time by several minutes and get equivalent results by performing multiple high-intensity bouts. The University of Texas at Austin researchers conducted the eight-week study with 11 young healthy adult men and women. Participants trained three times per week and in each session performed 30 bouts of 40 second intervals at near maximal anaerobic power. As fitness levels improve, recovery time from each sprint was shortened from 30 seconds to 15 seconds reducing the total session time to less than 10 minutes. Data analysis showed that trainees experienced a 13.2% increase in their VO2 peak. They had increased total blood volume and improved max anaerobic power over the eight-week period. These observations require us to consider or reconsider the minimum amount of exercise needed to specifically increase both maximum aerobic and anaerobic power, according to the researchers. There were study limitations, and that include lack of a control group and the absence of body composition testing. The study is published in Medicine and Science in Sports and Exercise, the 2021 version. And so, yeah. All that is saying is that for for those of us that are over 40, 50, and so forth, we can definitely start increasing and having interval training when we do our biking. And that's when we kind of all out sprint for a few uh, minutes or seconds and then go back to, to uh, regular moderate intensity and then keep doing those intervals, um, some high intensity intervals. You know, it depends on whether you can tolerate it and shoot, you'll get the benefits. You see how it improved VO2 peak means it, it improves your your oxygen consumption. You know, that means and that over time shows that you are becoming more fit. You're doing those cardiac adaptations, right? So that you are 
in increasing and becoming more fit. So, hey, that's a good thing. And in less time, they're showing. Oh, wow. Less than All 10 good. minutes. Oh, wow. You know? Wow. That's deep. Increase both maximum. So you got the aerobic capacity that has increased your aerobic power and your anaerobic, you know? Oh, wow. So your muscles and all that. So, yeah, that's a good thing. Folks, first of all, we'll put it out there, folks. You know, start some interval training, some interval training with your biking. And over time, you will see results. (laughs) Sounds good. Yes. Great. Yes, indeed. Well, D, what's the latest? And what the hell is monkeypox? Oh, Lord. I mean, let's stop monkeying around. (laughs) I mean, let's stop monkeying around. Yeah, what is going on with that? I guess maybe this popped up, I don't want to say, maybe a month ago, I I suppose, where we started to hear uh, that there was this new virus that's akin to, I think it's called the... It's, a, it's an, a virus akin to the smallpox virus. Mm-hmm. And it's not like coronavirus where, you know, it's a virus that we've never seen or, or whatever. It's a virus that really is pretty contained in Central Africa. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was just as infectious disease spreads as we've known about. But here, in the last several weeks, we've been hearing about outbreaks of monkeypox. So what is monkeypox? Monkeypox is a, a an illness where you can get fevers and muscle aches and pains. It, it more more than, you know, it more often resembles like a viral infection, like the flu or, or okay. not so many respiratory things, but just not feeling well and having a fever. And then it goes from there into developing a rash, pustular rash, rash rather, all over your body. In some situations, people have confused it with smallpox because it can have that smallpox type look. Mm-hmm. So this monkeypox now has had outbreaks in 12 or 13 countries in Europe, mm-hmm. and it's in the United States. I don't know exactly right now. I haven't updated myself on which state, but this is an article from a couple of days ago. The World Health Organization does not believe the monkeypox outbreak outside of Africa requires mass vaccinations as measures like good hygiene and safe sexual behavior will help control its spread, a senior official said on Monday. Richard Peabody, mm-hmm. who leads the high-threat pathogen team at WHO World Health Organization Europe, also told Reuters in an interview that immediate supplies of vaccines and antivirals are relatively limited. Of course they are. Mm. He comment came as the United States Center for Disease um, control and prevention said mm-hmm. it was in the process of releasing some Janos vaccine doses for use in monkeypox cases. So, from what I understand from some of my friends who work at the CDC, mm-hmm. there is a monkeypox vaccine, but they also have been thinking about there also is a stockpile of smallpox vaccine that was prepared. Remember when? Uh, they were thinking about biological warfare around the time of the Iraq War, mm-hmm. you know, around 9-11. Mm-hmm. We were thinking about anthrax and smallpox and all. So there's a stockpile of vaccines mm-hmm. in somebody's deep freeze. Okay. The public health authorities in Europe and North America are investigating more than 100 suspected and confirmed uh, cases of the viral infection and were in the worst outbreak of the virus outside of Africa where it's endemic. The primary measures to control the outbreak are contact tracing and isolation, Peabody said. 
noting that it is not a virus that spreads very easily, nor has it so far caused serious disease. The vaccines used to combat monkeypox can have some significant side effects, he said, because I think they're live virus vaccines, okay. which okay. can be problematic. Mm-hmm. It is unclear what is driving the outbreak with scientists trying to understand the origin of the cases and whether anything about the virus has changed. There's no evidence the virus is mutated, a senior executive at the U.N. agency said separately on Monday. Many but not all of the people who have been diagnosed in the current monkeypox outbreak have been men who have sex with men. But that may be because this demographic is likely to seek medical advice or access sexual health screening more readily, the World Health Organization said earlier in the day. Most of the confirmed cases have not been linked to travel to Africa, Mm. which suggests there may be large amounts of undetected cases. Some health authorities suspect there is some level of community spread. So we're only seeing the tip of the iceberg. Great, Mm. he said. Mm. Uh, I know. Given the pace of the outbreak and lack of clarity about what is driving it, there has been much worry that large events and parties this summer could make things much worse. Uh, This might be another time for pass. Pass, I know, right? Pass. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying to people, don't have a good time, don't go to attend these events, Peabody said. It's rather around what people do at these parties that matter. So it's about safe sexual behavior, good hygiene, regular hand washing. All of these sorts of things will help to limit the transmission of the virus. Uh, I know, right? I, I just don't know what to say. What do you say? Well, I say, look. At the end of the day, we just gonna have to live in a mask and live with all our whole body covered. We just gonna have everything covered. We're just gonna have to go to bed in a hazmat suit. I mean, this is crazy. This is absolutely nuts. I know. So yet another, yet another, yet another. We we shall see how that was spread, huh? Yeah, you know, my my problem is, however, that I'm just concerned that it's popping up all over the place when they're talking about it's due to, to, you know, close contact. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can't have that much close contact in 12 different countries in Europe and the United States. You know, this is how coronavirus started. Mm -hmm. Well, it's contact with somebody, you know. And then it was like, no, this is spreading too fast mm-hmm. for one person to give it to another person to give it to another person. It was airborne. I'm not saying that that's what's going to be happening here, but I mm-hmm. just say my thing is, as I always say, stay tuned and follow the science. If follow the science. Sound right, mm-hmm. If it doesn't sound right, mm, you just have to ask some serious questions. That's it. That's it. So, yes. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, that is the latest. Well, Thank you, yeah. Dee. Thank you, Dee. You are so welcome. Hi, everyone. This is Dr. Vicki Haywood Doe. I just wanted to break in for a quick second and introduce to you the sponsor and creator of this show. It's the company I own, Haywood Doe Consulting Co., doing business as Vicki Doe Fitness. We are a health and wellness consulting company that specializes in designing and implementing medically integrated applied exercise physiology-based fitness wellness programs, initiatives, events, health promotion, and health education for special populations such as older folks, children, adolescents, overweight and obese individuals, cardiac rehab, women's health, and those who have chronic diseases. 
We have a team and network of healthcare professionals based out of Northeast Ohio, and we've worked with many companies, schools, churches, and organizations. If your goal is to transform your life by taking a holistic approach to living a life of health and total well-being, get in touch with us at info at To find out more about our own site and online programs and services, go to vikidofitness.com. And now back to the show. Today, we talk about research articles and hot topics that we think are worth looking at and talking about. And our topic today is what's new? Hot topics number 77. And so our first article, we're talking about how fast do you actually lose fitness? And the short answer is that it varies immensely depending upon how you've been training. And we're going to talk about in this article, the truth behind undone fitness and find out when it's essential for you to take a break as well. It says, after Kelly, after Kelly Gillen completed the JFK 50 mile in November 2016, she intentionally prepared to settle into a two month break, give or take. The long distance run, nearly twice the length of a marathon, had taken a lot out of the avid runner who assume she'll be raring up to go again come January. But the 38-year-old scientist who lives in Brooklyn with her husband and dog quickly realized there was a problem when she hit the pavement again after her hyenas. Glillen's first run in early 2017 was unexpectedly painful, leading her to seek medical attention. Multiple visits within orthopedist, orthopedist along with um, two MRIs, and it revealed that Gillen's knee discomfort was due to a loss of cartilage under her kneecaps. She had to spend months in physical therapy and doing strength training and doing strength training exercises before she was able to run again. The unintentional time off resulted in a loss of fitness. For years, she used running as a way to clear her head and zone out. But post-injury, things were different. I had to be very aware with each step, Glennon says. I basically had to relearn how to run, she says. She couldn't go as fast or as far, and she couldn't zone out because she was so focused on maintaining her form and not overdoing it. Although Gillen was thrilled to be able to run again, she was months before the movement felt as natural and effortless as it had before. Whether you stop exercising because of an injury or some other reason, maybe the pandemic threw a wrench into your workout routine, fitness expert says Gillen's slow and steady approach to starting back up again and regaining fitness is ideal. And yes, no matter how long you've been on a break with exercise, getting back into it can feel just as fantastic for you as it did for Gillen. Kurt Campbell, MD, assistant professor of orthopedic surgery at NYU says, fitness loss is inevitable if you stop exercising for an extended period of time, no matter how fit you are. 
But exactly how quickly you lose fitness and how much you lose depends on both your personal circumstances and what kind of fitness you're talking about. So how quickly do you lose cardiovascular fitness? Endurance athletes like runners, cyclists, swimmers, and dancers build up cardiovascular fitness, also called aerobic fitness or endurance, over sustained, consistent cardiovascular training. This type of fitness won't disappear in a matter of days, but it will decrease over time, according to Dr. Campbell. Generally, he says, cardiovascular fitness starts to noticeably decrease after about two weeks, that's why I always say 14 days, of being sedentary. Yeah, you always say that. Uh-huh. Say that. Yeah. In a literature review published in Frontiers in Physiology in October 2020, the author's Examine the existing evidence of detraining, a.k.a. losing fitness. Although results vary across different studies, the research suggests that for endurance athletes, a loss of cardiovascular fitness and endurance starts to happen after a little, as little as 12 days of no exercise. There's not much evidence of how fitness continues to decrease after several weeks of total inactivity, but those in good cardiovascular shape will take up to a few months to completely lose all of their aerobic fitness, Campbell says, adding that the timeline is relative to each individual's capabilities. Also keep in mind that unless someone is injured, a break in their regular exercise rarely means complete inactivity. In the literature review cited above, the evidence suggests that cardiovascular fitness and regular exercisers starts to decrease significantly after about 35 days or five weeks of occasional light exercise. So that means if you were exercising a lot and then drastically reduced the intensity of your workouts, you might also notice a decrease in cardiovascular fitness. So how quickly do you lose strength? Muscle mass loss, which might limit your ability to lift weights or lug, lug home your, your um, groceries, isn't likely to be significantly impacted in two to three weeks' time. Though this too depends on several factors, including age, diet, sleep hygiene, and your fitness level before you take a break, says Campbell. He points to a study published in May 2020 in the International Journal of Exercise Science, in which researchers found that even three weeks of detraining doesn't decrease your muscle thickness, strength, or performance in sports in a group of 21 male adolescent athletes. An older study suggested that age is a huge factor when it comes to losing or not losing muscle strength. Researchers looked at the effects of strength training and detraining on adults in two age groups, 20 to 30 years old, those were 18 participants, and 65 to 75-year-olds, there were 23 participants. After nine weeks of resistance training, all participants increased their one rep maximum strength, the younger group by 34%, and the older group by 28%. And after 31 weeks of detraining, 
the younger adults lost just 8% of their strength they had gained, while the older adults lost 14%. Now, according to the study, loss of strength happens more quickly as we age, although it decreases far slower than cardiovascular fitness. So even if you lose some fitness, training breaks can be good for you. Even though you'll lose, you'll lose some fitness with breaks from training, periods of rest are still really important for the body and the mind, especially after periods of audacious training. Recovery is important from both a physical and mental standpoint, says Campbell. It allows you to make greater fitness gains in the long run. Running coach Neely Gracie, certified by the Landord Foundation and based in Denver, says she's always taken a scheduled two weeks off at the end of each marathon season. She encourages her athletes to do the same. Some want more time, some want less, but a period of not, no running to allow the body and mind to rest and reset is important, Gracie says. The five-time Team USA competitor says time off help um, athletes avoid injury from muscle use, and it also helps reduce burnout, a sentiment which um, Campbell echoes. Taking a break from working out can be beneficial to avoid burnout. However, there's a notable distinction between intentional time off, like following an endurance event, and unintentional breaks in exercise, where you have no plans of getting back into a routine. In other words, a short break can be beneficial to avoid burnout and injury, but taking time off shouldn't become a long-term lifestyle choice. Why? Returning to exercise after a long break comes with its own mental and emotional challenges. Gillen says she struggled mightily in this department. Logging double-digit mile runs had been the norm, but after months of not running, 10 miles seemed suddenly unsurmountable. It's definitely a mental thing that was really hard at the beginning, Gillen says. So here are three tips for not losing fitness if you're exercising less than normal. Number one, keep moving throughout the day. No matter your fitness level and how that changes throughout your journey, there are many ways to get activity into your day, says Kayla Jeter, a road runners um, club of uh, American certified running coach and WWD 360 coach based in Chicago. Body weight exercises, no gym or equipment required. Hiking is good or and or even gardening are good options. Campbell recommends light training, including body resistance exercises that don't lead to an elevated heart rate to limit the loss of strength and points to the proliferation of fitness apps. We got plenty of them as aiding this endeavor. Of course, if you're taking a break due to injury or another medical reason, it's important to clear all activity with your doctor. Number two, don't underestimate body weight movements. 
while diehard runners may find strength training exercise alone an inadequate substitute for multi-mile runs exercises that work the body's muscles and encourage flexibility are crucial if limiting fitness loss is the goal jeter explains campbell recommends body weight exercises like doing squats lunges and push-ups which you can modify to do on your knees to limit strength loss and regular stretching to maintain flexibility there are countless fitness apps and we're going to say ours vikido fitness fitness app all right and videos out there go to our website vikidofitness.com right i put that in there uh-huh and videos out there many of them free that can guide you through short body weight workouts number three prioritize strength training while taking a break from running to recover from in injury gillen focused on strength she worked mostly with kettlebells doing squats deadlift and swings to help strengthen her glute muscles and her body overall she considers her months-long running break to be time well spent because ultimately the strength building made her a better runner. She now relies less on her quadricep muscles because her glutes are activated, which reduces her injury risk. All right now, five years later, she still integrates kettlebells into her exercise routine. And so, yeah, there you have it, folks. You know, there are certain things that you can do if you decide to, I call it maintain, because that's what I do. I maintain. And see, I don't maintain. I need to up my maintaining to do <laughs> to doing a jump start be, get for you'll real. Be, you'll be doing more of that this summer though. You'll oh yeah, big big time. Big get time. Back into the groove. Yeah, know? big time, big time. Mm -hmm. Because when I was teaching my dance, because it's so high intensity and it's two hours, right? Every time I'm doing the dance to make sure that I didn't get um, injuries, I didn't get on because I love the treadmill. I oh, didn't get on the right. treadmill and stuff. That's I would get right. on the bike, but I'm a treadmill that's person. Right. I got to get on the treadmill. Yeah. So I've been do. I did my um, rest. And so I'm going to get back on the treadmill. And then I have promised myself that since I'm getting older, I got to go hard on my strength training because you, yeah. see, you see a difference. You see a difference. Yeah. yeah. And I yeah, love summer because summer gets you back into that mindset, doesn't it? It does. It really does because you're just in such a funk when the weather's bad. I know. You just are in such a funk. Just, yes. You don't feel like doing anything. You, you know? don't feel like doing anything. Oh, so, yeah. Okay, so that's that was a good article. Very informative. Yeah. Very, very informative. Yeah. Well, do our next article. We're talking about suicide okay. now. Oh my God. You know, this is this is very depressing. This article from Everyday Health: Five Reasons Suicide is on the Rise in the Black Community, according to a psychiatrist. Suicide rates are climbing in Black communities across the United States. Psychiatrist Patrice Harris, M.D a former president of American Medical Association, discusses what factors may be driving this increase. Two devastating losses to suicide in the black community marked the beginning of 2022. The death of attorney, former Miss USA, beautiful girl, mm -hmm. activist and entertainment news respondent, Chesley Chris, and of up-and-coming DJ and songwriter, Ian King Jr., who was also the son of Academy Award-winning actress, Regina King. Mm. The deaths of Chris and King 
sent sideways through the black community and among fans at large. Both were young. Chris was 30, and King had just turned 26, just days before taking his life. Both were successful and appeared to have the world at their fingertips. Mm -hmm. Sadly, Chris and King are not alone. Their deaths have shed light on an ongoing and alarming issue, increasing rates of suicide among black Americans. You know, Vicki, there was a time when we said black people didn't do that. I know. So between 2014 and 2019, rates of suicide among black people in the United States increased by 30%, according to data published in May 2021 in JAMA, JAMA Journal of the American Association Network Open. A report published in November 2021 by the Center for Disease Control and Prevention showed that although the overall rate of suicide in the United States decreased by 3% in 2020, the rate of suicide actually increased among men of color, many men of color, including black men. Mm. During this time, between 2011 and 2020, the suicide rate among black men was three times that of black women, the Suicide Prevention Resource Center report. Equally alarming... The U.S. Department of Health and Human Services Office of Minority Health found that suicide was the second leading cause of death among black people ages 15 to 24 in 2019. That's deep. I know. And according to a report released in December 2019 by the Congressional Black Caucus's Emergency Task Force on Black Youth Suicide and Mental Health, suicide is also the leading cause of death for black youth 10 to 19. So what's driving the rise? in suicides among black Americans. Patrice Harris, MD, as I said, Everyday Health Chief Health and Medical Editor, and the first black woman to be elected president of the AMA, American Medical Association, discusses five factors likely contributing to this increase and what could help change its trajectory. Number one, social media ramps up pressure to fit in. Mm. Social media, everybody got looked like the Kardashians, but mm -hmm. I, I digress. Mm. Social mm. media is undeniably pervasive and has made society incredibly voyeuristic, says Dr. Harris, as it's given people nearly unlimited access to view others' lives online. Mm. This can make people feel pressure to conform to an ideal and pressure associated with social media is one potential cause of increased suicide among black people, Harris said. Unfortunately, we've seen increased suicide numbers in black people, particularly in youth, over the last decade. Although there is no one causal factor to this, it is important to remember that we live in an age where most people are connected to social media, which comes with the pressure to create an image like we're living perfect lives. Mm -hmm. This is especially true for our young people who might feel extreme pressure to live a certain kind of life or compete with their peers' appearance, according to Harris. This kind of pressure can negatively affect one's sense of self-worth, identity, and sense of belonging, especially among young people. Mm. Harris says that cyberbullying, which has become increasingly common among preteens and teens because of social media, is likely another contributing factor for the increased number of suicides in the black community. A recent study published in September 21 in the Journal of, Adole of, Journal of Early Adolescence found that cyberbullying is a common form of bullying experienced by black adolescents. Another study published in 2020 in the American Journal of Orthopsychiatry revealed that being a victim a victim of cyberbullying was associated with increased suicide ideation among both black and white study participants 
with texting and social media being the most common places in which cyberbullying occurs. Number two, mental health stigma impedes black people from seeking help. Harris says that stigma surrounding mental health issues and seeking help from mental health professionals has also played a role in rising suicide rates among black people. A person might think, I'm having these issues, but I will keep them to myself because if I seek help, I'll be seen as crazy or weak, she said. Mm. There's a stigma in the black community that if you have a mental disorder, it's a sign of a character flaw or weakness instead of what it truly is, a diagnosis that can be treated and managed. This stigma has had myriad consequences for black communities, including preventing many black people from seeking the help they need, causing them to repress their symptoms instead. It is also perpetuated it all it has also perpetuated the false notion that black people do not experience mental illness or suicide. We create and present these images for people to feel that they have to live up to, adds Harris. For example, young black girls often hear the message of the strong black woman, a persona that promotes expectations of black women to show tireless strength and prioritize others' needs before their own, which in turn discourages them from practicing self-care and show vulnerability to loved ones. So some may feel that they cannot ask for help. They have to be all, ain't this the truth? They have to be uh-huh. all things to all people, uh-huh. Harris says. But young black boys, they often and hear the message that if they seek help, they're weak. Number three, mm-hmm. treatment is often less accessible to black people. Mm-hmm. Harris says untreated mental illness is another cause of increased suicide rates among black people. In addition to stigma, there are many reasons that black people don't get the help they need for mental health reasons, including lack of access to care. When we are talking about suicide and mental health overall, there are access problems we must consider, including lack of access to quality medical insurance and education about how to locate a mental health provider, and factors such as poverty, lack of medical insurance, lack of culturally conscious medical providers only make matters worse. According to the American Psychological Association 2005 U.S. Census Bureau data showed that black people were more than seven times more likely to live in neighborhoods with high rates of poverty and little or no access to mental health compared with white people despite having the same risk of mental illness. And that was 2005. I don't think much has changed. Mm -hmm. Furthermore, the American Psychological Association reports almost 25% of black Americans are uninsured and are more likely to seek emergency or primary health for mental health concerns, Mm -hmm. even though these professionals are not as equipped to treat mental and behavioral issues as mental health professionals. Mm. On top of this, there's lack of representation among mental health professionals, which makes it difficult for black people to find culturally competent mental health care or health care that meets the patient's cultural, social, and language-related needs. Only 2% of psychiatrists and 4% of psychologists in the United States are black. We've had, you know, Dr. Stephen King on here, who's kind of like a unicorn in this community, you know? I know. And a lot of other communities. Only 2% of psychiatrists and 4% of psychologists in the United States are black, according to the American Psychiatric Association and American Psychological Association. Number four, black people continually face racism and discrimination. Mm -hmm. The murder of George Floyd in 2020 sparked nationwide protests against racism in the United States, which black people have faced for centuries. For many black Americans, Harris said, Floyd's murder was a tipping point for increased rates of anxiety and depression related to racism. Certainly Floyd's death added to the extreme anxiety that many black people were already experiencing along with the everyday effects of living with discrimination and racism and the resulting trauma from those experiences, Harris says. 
Floyd's death is a sobering example of a type of racism called structural racism, racism that pervades public policies, institutions, housing, education, and the justice system, among other areas. Black Americans are at greater risk of being targeted, profiled, and arrested by law enforcement for minor offenses. Mm -hmm. And the rate of incarceration of black people is six times that of white people, states the National Alliance to End Homelessness. Mm. Structural racism, which I've given talks on many times, has also caused black people to be significantly more experienced, to be significantly more likely to experience poverty and homelessness. Mm -hmm. Despite the fact that black Americans comprise only 13% of the population, the Alliance reports that 39% of homeless people and more than 50% of homeless families with children are black. Mm. One root cause of these disparities was a practice called redlining. Yes, it was. Systemic housing discrimination supported by the United States government just a few decades ago. Mm -hmm. They discouraged investments such as business and mortgage loans in black and brown neighborhoods according to the Alliance. My mother was very active in that when she was a councilman mm -hmm. in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, because there was redlining, of course, you know, as you might imagine, all over the South. Big time, big time. All, mm -hmm. of these, all of these different types of racism and discrimination have had a significant negative impact on mental health, causing stress and trauma to black people on the receiving end, according to the National Alliance on Mental Health. And some mental health care providers can even be part of the problem. Racist and discriminatory views, whether implicit unconscious or outright can lead providers to categorize mental health illness in the black community as someone having disruptive behaviors rather than someone who is having a health problem and needs some help. Mm -hmm. Such bias, lack of culturally appropriate training among medical providers, and lack of access to mental health treatment in general can all make these mental health problems worse. Number five, many black people are frequently exposed to violence. Although not all black people live in impoverished or physically dangerous environments caused by social issues such as structural racism, research suggests that black people experience disproportionately high rates of exposure to violence compared with white people, according to the Mental Health America. Like racism, continued exposure to violence may factor, may factor into increasing suicide rates among black people. Witnessing violence and living in communities with increased numbers of violent crimes is another aspect of trauma that may lead to increasing suicide rates among black people. Ample research has shown the detrimental effects of violence and accumulative trauma. For example, the National Institute of Justice states that exposure to violence can negatively affect a child's development psychologically, emotionally, and physically. How about all those children that had to watch all those other children get killed yesterday? Oh, I know. Imagine what their life's going to be like. I know, I know. Perhaps even more alarming, children who are exposed to violence are more likely to abuse drugs mm -hmm. or alcohol, experience school-related difficulties, develop depression or other mental health issues, behave aggressively, and commit crimes as adults than those who aren't exposed to violence. So what is the bottom line? Mm -hmm. The bottom line, the increasing number of suicides among black people is multifactorial. And additional research is needed to pinpoint exactly what's driving these rates, says Harris. The research we do have indicates that harmful effects connected to social media use, exposure to racism, mental health stigma, excuse me, and exposure to violence and accumulative trauma have all likely played a role. According to Harris, key steps to reducing these rates include reframing how mental health issues are viewed and discussed in the black community, 
combating potential bias among mental health providers and addressing mental health stigma among black people. And I would go one step further, Vicki, encouraging mm-hmm. young medical students to consider yes. psychiatry as a profession. Yes. You know, I don't remember that really even being stressed. You know, so all, let's go, you know, let's be an orthopedic surgeon or a neurosurgeon or this, that, or the other. We should encourage more mental health providers starting from medical school. Harris stresses that combating mental health issues in the black community, community needs to be a collective effort among people with mental health issues, their loved ones, and medical professionals. It needs to involve dismantling the racist systems that cause many of these mental health issues in the first place. That was an excellent article. Oh, yes. Yes. Excellent. And so, yeah, when, when it comes to, you know, please, people... People didn't think psychology and all of that. They, they, it was. It's considered like a touchy feely thing. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> but they're exactly. they're they're showing now. You know, mental health is a part of wellness, and it can affect all of your other parts or dimensions of wellness. You know. Yeah, it can. It absolutely can. It certainly can. Yeah. So it it's important. Can. You know, you and I, I think, have been on the forefront mm-hmm. on, on, you know, on your on the Vicky Doe uh, Fitness Podcast. Mm-hmm. We've had been talking about mental health issues issues from day one. By from having, day one. Uh, Doctor Stephen King on here and a mm-hmm. lot of other mm-hmm. health professionals to talk about mental health issues. Yes, and so yes, and we 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 know that a lot of the reasons why. Things don't get better in our community. It's just because of accessibility. That that happens for right. a lot of stuff, doesn't it? Right. Yeah. Right. And it's the same old story. I mean, you know, as Dr. Fauci said, that COVID pandemic ripped the scab off of an off of a, a, a an unacceptable situation, and you just see how mm-hmm. you know a lot of this stuff happens. Mm-hmm. Um, and it you know from COVID to mental health issues to uh, disparities is the operative word. Just that's, that's it. That's it. Yeah. Well, this is our last article, and it's not that long, but it's talking about mm-hmm. weightlifting and arthritis. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. So this was written in Health Day News, and it says experts have discovered a cheap, listen to this, cheap, powerful tool that can relieve pain, improve motion, and generally make life a little easier for people with arthritis. It's powerful enough to relieve many symptoms of both osteoarthritis and rheumatoid arthritis, yet safe enough to use every other day. It's convenient and inexpensive, and when used properly, causes no unpleasant side effects. It's called a barbell. (laughs) Oh, wow. (laughs) (laughs) Lifting weights is one of the best ways to care for arthritic joints, says Barbara Wesnick, um, Ph.D., a nurse practitioner at the University of Maryland School of Nursing in Baltimore. As Resnick reported in the journal Geriatric Nursing, weightlifting has been associated with improved strength, flexibility, and balance among patients with arthritis. Although it's not as easy to measure, many patients also get a healthy boost of self-confidence 
And as the joint becomes stronger, the pain of arthritis often subsides. Many of my patients can't believe how much better their pain is once they start working out with weights, she says. The biggest challenge is convincing patients to give weights a try. Jane Kowalski, an 83-year-old living in Baltimore, had a typical response when her doctor suggested strength training for her arthritic knees. I was skeptical, she says. My joints hurt, and I thought I was supposed to rest them. After her daughter clipped out newspaper articles extolling the um, virtues of weight training, Kowalski Um, decided to follow her doctor's orders. Now she does leg lifts every morning with one or two pound weight strapped to her ankles. The routine along with her other exercises has made the difference between getting active and becoming homebound, she says. In fact, she's planning a four-day trip to the ocean and she says she'll definitely save room in her suitcase for her weights. As Korolowski can a, t- uh, a test maintaining arthritis doesn't take gargantum feats of strength. And contrary to common opinion, weightlifting isn't just for the young. The American College of Sports Medicine recommends weight training for everyone over 50. Even people who are decades over 50 have a lot to gain. Some of Resnick's most dedicated patients took up weightlifting in their hundreds. Getting started at any age, I know, at any age, people should be aware that there's a right way and a wrong way to lift weights. Rosnick says, here are some tips for a safe, productive weightlifting routine. Number one, get your doctor's go ahead. He or she will probably be thrilled to hear about your plan to start strength training. If you have high blood pressure, your doctor may want to run a few tests to make sure that lifting weights won't cause a dangerous rise in your pressure. Number two, get professional advice, a personal trainer, and then I'm going to put in exercise physiologist or physical therapist can teach you proper weight lifting techniques. An expert can also help tailor a program that matches your needs and abilities. Number three, yes, before grabbing your weights, always warm up your muscles with a good stretch. Rogsnick recommends slowly stretching a joint until it feels a little uncomfortable. Hold the stretch for 10 to 30 seconds and repeat three to five times. Start with a weight. Number four, that allows you to do three sets of, and back to uh, warming up your muscle. So whatever your regimen is, you can do maybe a lighter version of that. You know, do some arm circles. If you're dealing with your arms, march in place. Those are the type of warm up that you should do as well so that you can get your muscles truly warmed up before you start your weight training. Okay, start with a weight that allows you to do three sets of eight to 10 repetitions with moderate effort. Some people start with no weight at all. That's when we talk about your body weight, okay? Or just no weight at all, you know, just doing the movement, okay? When these repetitions become easy, uh, move up to a slightly larger weight. Lift weights slowly and evenly. Sudden jerks or bounces can damage cartilage. Expect a little discomfort. Your joints may complain at first, but they'll thank you in the long run. 
try to go through your joints entire range of motion. If bending the joint in a certain way causes too much pain, stick with movements that are a little bit more comfortable. Over time, you should try to gradually push your joint until you regain its full range. If you have rheumatoid arthritis, give your joint a rest during a flare-up. As soon as the pain subsides, you can go back to lifting. Consider isometric exercises, workouts that involve pushing or pulling against walls or other immovable objects. Such exercise strengthen muscles without pulling any stress on the joints. Isometric exercises can be a good alternative if regular weight lifting causes too much pain. And last but not least, listen to your body. If you start pushing yourself too hard, your body will let you know loud and clear. According to the National Institutes of Health, arthritis patients should stop an exercise program if they notice unusual or long-lasting fatigue, increased weakness, decreased flexibility, increased swelling, or pain that lasts for more than an hour after exercising. With any exercise program, the first step is always the hardest. If you have trouble getting motivated, keep this in mind. Your sore joints won't get better on their own. A good exercise program that includes weightlifting can give you the strength and flexibility you need to keep up with life. The alternative is too painful to consider. All right, so back to what we've been talking about for this year. Our goal this year is to to get the word out that people should do some type of strength training. So we're going to come at you every time we talk. We're going to talk about some kind of strength training, something. Definitely. Definitely. That's where it's at. That is where it's at, D. And especially the older you get, you have to continue to remember Uh um, that strength training is is very, very important. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. And so, D, this ends our show. So, do you have some tips that we should oh think about? Oh, my goodness, so many things. Mm-hmm. Um, well, the first article, how fast do you actually lose fitness? So, okay, that was yes. a really, really good article. Mm-hmm. And the bottom line is um, it doesn't take long. No, it One doesn't. One of the things that you have continued to stress mm-hmm. is that, you know, that 14-day mm-hmm. thing mm-hmm. Uh, you continue to talk about. And so, you know, you gave a lot of, of tips about those things that you need to do to keep, first of all, you've got to keep moving throughout the day. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't underestimate body weight uh, mm-hmm. exercises uh, such as stretching and lunges and squats. Yes. And you need to prioritize uh, strength training, um, which I thought was excellent, too. And then the other article that you talked about was exercise and arthritis. Um, and again, you said one of the things that people forget about or that's kind of simple is barbells. Mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. you know, you went through a lot of, a lot of, <laughs> you went through a lot of commentary about, you know, moving your muscles if you have rheumatoid arthritis that, you know, this isn't a, it's not a sprint. Right. You know, it's a slow and steady, mm-hmm. uh, persistent movement and moving your joints. If something hurts, don't do it, but gradually you know, and increase your, your flexibility, which is what you want to do in the first place. Mm-hmm. And then lastly, with me, mm-hmm. it was the alarming, alarming mm-hmm. statistics that have to do with suicide 
in the black community. And, you know, as I said in that, that it was multifactorial. And some of the things, bottom line, from this Dr. Patrice Harris, who was the first African-American president of the American Medical Society, mm-hmm. that the increasing number of suicides among black people is likely multifactorial, and additional research is needed to pinpoint exactly what's driving these rates. So the research we do have indicates that harmful effects connected to social media use, and we we know that. We Mm -hmm. see all the cyberbullying and everything that has gone on, at least suicide in in teens, Mm -hmm. exposure to racism, mental health stigma, and exposure to violence and accumulative trauma all have likely played a role, and that is why it is felt to be a multifactorial issue. So a lot of good, a lot of good stuff today. Yes, it was. Yes. And so, and so, yes, we will encourage people. Yes. If you are not feeling yourself, you, you think that you are going through anxiety, depression or what have you. Yeah. Go get help. Go get help from a medical provider or especially a mental health specialist. Right. That will just right. talk to you. They don't have to, you know, right. most people are scared you're going to get on these medications. A lot of times they just need to talk with you and help you figure out your thing, figure out your life. It is so true. Put things in it order. So yes. True. You might yeah, need somebody just so to help true. you do that, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, again, like I said, you and I have been on the forefront of this are mm-hmm. the inception of, uh, you know, our podcast, making mm-hmm. sure that people understood that, you know, this is a significant problem. It's part, it's part of wellness. Yes, it is. Yes, it it's is. It's part of wellness. So, yes, make sure, folks, that you listen to this podcast and make sure you share it with your friends and family so that we can uh, continue to, we always say here, we want to continue to spread the gospel of health and wellness. Absolutely. (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. Absolutely. (laughs) And as always, folks, as always, for more information, go to our website, vickidofitness.com, and remember, If you have any questions, comments, or just something to say, tweet us, email us, go on Facebook, and share with us your thoughts. You've been listening to It's All About Health and Fitness with Dr. Vicki Hayward-Doe and Dr. Virginia Banks-Bright. Vicki Doe is owner of Vicki Doe Fitness, a multimedia health and wellness forum, a place to discuss, learn, and participate in healthy living. You can get in touch with Vicki by email at info at vickidofitness.com.